Hey, good morning, FBCO. I'm Pastor Doug, and I'm not preaching this month, but I am so glad to welcome you. If you're a guest, we're glad you're here. It's going to be a great month. We've got some great speakers, and I look forward to meeting you as soon as uh, I'm back in the pulpit, but I'm delighted to be here. And today, uh, Tom Dawson is going to speak. He's our pastor of adult education here. We love life groups. This is small group Bible studies, and Tom's led that for our church for 18 and a half years. And he is just a great friend. I love Tom. He loves the word. And uh, he was a chaplain in the Air Force. For those of you who are Air Force guys, you might have might not have known that. And we're delighted to have him at FBCO. So would you welcome him as he comes to preach this morning for us? Well, good morning. I'm excited to share uh, truth from God's word with you. Uh, remember Pastor Doug and Vicki while they are away. Remember them in your prayers. We are just a few days from celebrating Independence Day and the freedoms that we enjoy uh, in our land. And as I reflected on many, the many freedoms that we do enjoy, I was reminded uh, of a speech that Patrick Henry famously gave um, in Williamsburg just days before the start of the revolution. And from that speech, he said, is life so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I care not what course others may take, but as for me, give me life or give me death. Now, I don't know about you, but I am thankful for our many freedoms that we do enjoy in this great land and not the least of which is the freedom of religion the ability to just openly practice our faith in jesus christ many christians around the world today they're having to meet uh, in secret underground because in their country it's illegal to practice christianity so i'm very thankful for the many freedoms that we enjoy and I am also thankful for the men and women uh, who throughout our nation's history have served and sacrificed to protect the freedoms that we enjoy in this land. So to all of you veterans and active duty here this morning, I just want to thank you so much for your service. I am proud to have worn the Air Force Blue for 24 years of my life and served this country. Uh, and I am thankful uh, to have been able to do that. You know, in our country today, I think many define uh, freedom as being able to do whatever they feel like doing. Yet you can't read the parable of the prodigal son without realizing that that is exactly how the prodigal defined freedom. He thought, getting an early inheritance, leaving home, going off, indulging in instant gratification was freedom. But he soon found out that that was yet another form of slavery. So this morning, I want to talk about freedom, a greater freedom, the freedom found in Jesus Christ. Jesus makes this bold statement in John chapter 8, Verse 36, he says, if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you really are free 
Well, my gospel, my message is from the gospel of John, and we're going to be in John chapter 8. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, John was a beloved disciple of Jesus. And the theme of John's gospel is that Jesus is the long-awaited promised Messiah, Son of God. And that by believing in Jesus, people can have eternal life. Earlier in chapter 8, he had forgiven the sins of an adulteress, shared with the religious leaders that he was the light of the world, and boldly stated that anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in verses 21 through 29, Jesus predicts his departure and tells the religious leaders that where I am going, you cannot come. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. And then in verse 24, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And that brings us to the passage of scripture that I want to focus on this morning. John chapter 8, verses 30 through 36. And I invite you to follow along with me. As he, Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. And then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Now in this passage of scripture, we see the source of freedom, the pathway to freedom, but also an obstacle to freedom. And then finally, we see our need for freedom. And we'll look at all of those things this morning. We're going to start with the source of freedom. I'm going to drop down to John chapter 8, verse 36. And there, Jesus states, so if the Son, capital S, if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you really will be free. You see, the source of true freedom is Jesus Christ, not our government, not politicians, not freedom from laws or taxes or debt or anything else. True freedom is found in Jesus Christ. You know, there's kind of a long-standing joke uh, for children that are in a Sunday school class, a life group, and for the teacher when they ask questions of those children, the response is correct, the correct response is probably always Jesus. Jesus. And uh, I would agree that uh, some of life's most um, foundational questions in our lives, the answer is found in Jesus. But that little story, that little joke, it kind of reminded me that, at least in my life sometimes, Jesus just falls off my lips all too easily. 
And I don't really stop to think about who this Jesus really is. I mean, I know up here who Jesus is. I know the church answers. I know what the Bible says up here. But I have, have I allowed that knowledge of who Jesus is to flow down here into the heart and to impact how I live my life for him as a Christ follower, as a disciple? So let's think a little bit this morning about Jesus and who he is. When we look a little bit earlier in John chapter 8, uh, we see that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they asked this very question. When Jesus states in verse 23, he says, you leaders, you're from below. I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not from this world. And then we look in verse 25, and we see their response to that. And they look at Jesus, and they say, who are you? Who are you to make these claims? We see the Bible is very clear. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the God-man. Jesus proclaimed in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and, the, I and the Father, the Heavenly Father, are one. And in response to that claim, the religious leaders, they did what? Many, they tried to stone him. And then later in chapter 8, John 8, 58, Jesus claims pre-existence to all that we know, to all of creation an attribute that can only be attributed to God himself. And in John 8, 58, he says, I am the truth, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. I am. That's the title that God used for himself to describe himself back in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. And Jesus uses the term I am to describe himself. And responding to this statement, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. You know, many Jews rejected Jesus' identity as God incarnate. Still, they understood exactly what he was saying when he identified himself as God. And because of that, they hated him. They wanted to kill him, and they would eventually send him to the cross. Old Testament prophecies, such as Isaiah 9-6, they announced the deity of Christ. Isaiah wrote, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is God's Son. God became, who became man and dwelt among us. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. An amazing book. If you've never read that book, I would encourage you to grab a copy and read it. But C.S. Lewis, in Mere Christianity, he writes this about Jesus. 
I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus Christ. They say, I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And Lewis writes, that is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense, Lewis writes, about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us, and he did not intend to. That, my friends, is who Jesus is. God incarnate, the Alpha and the Omega, the preexistent one. In verse 36 of John 8, it says, So if the Son, Jesus, the Son of God, sets you free, you really will be free. So Jesus is the source of our freedom. But second, Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, he shares with us the pathway the pathway to freedom. Look at verse 30. As he was saying these things, he was speaking to the Jewish leaders primarily. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Many of the Jewish leaders, they believed in Jesus. And the pathway to ultimate freedom begins with belief. Belief. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God the source of our true freedom. But the words of Jesus, beginning in verse 31, served as really a litmus test for the depth of their belief in, who, in Jesus. Look at verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, verse 32 is a pretty well-known verse, probably not as well-known as John 3, 16, but pretty well-known. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I've even seen secular universities use a portion of verse 32 in some of their promotion. They, use, they, they will say, the truth will set you free. But what truth are they talking about? Their truth? What a secular humanist believes to be true? What truth are they talking about? I think that you would agree that truth is under attack in our culture today. In fact, many go as far as to say, really, the search for truth is pointless. But verse 32, it's not a general proverb to be applied however we want. In whatever situation we want, 
Verse 32 follows the if of verse 31. It follows the if of verse 31. My wife Marilyn and I, we, uh, we've really been enjoying Vine Street Market down in downtown O'Fallon. I don't know if you've had a chance to go to the Vine Street Market. And a couple of Saturdays ago, Marilyn got picked up some rhubarb. And uh, she made this wonderful strawberry rhubarb crisp. It was so good. And I was watching her prepare the rhubarb, and I don't know much about preparing rhubarb, but she was chopping off parts of the stalks of the rhubarb. I said, why would you do that? Why don't you just use the whole thing? And she goes, well, some, some parts of the rhubarb, they're not really that good. They're not really edible. So she would chop it off and discard it. And I think um, sometimes that's what many people do with God's word. Like they chop off and discard those things that they don't agree with. And we kind of have that case here in verses 31 and 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We like the ring of that. But verse 31 is the if. In verse 31, it says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples and the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Greek word translated continue in verse 31. As I was preparing for the message, I often work out of the Christian Standard Bible. And that word continue, it's translated from the Greek word meno. And that, I was like, I got all excited about that. Because meno is one of my most favorite Greek words. Meno means abide. In fact, I even have meno on the license plate on my truck. It means abide. And meno is the same word that's used in John 15, where Jesus shares the parable of the vine and the branches. Jesus states, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, meno, continue in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we are, Jesus is saying we are to abide in God's word in verse 31. And like the branch draws its life-giving nutrients from the vine, we are to draw life-giving truth from God's word, from scripture. We are to abide in his word. Jesus says, if you abide, continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You really are my disciples. I have amazing grandchildren, by the way. In fact, I want to show you a picture of my grandkids. Now, three of the four are my grandchildren up there, okay? I have, I have five-year-old, soon-to-be five-year-old grand twins, Sam and Abby, and then a uh, two-year-old Wyatt. And a while back, Marilyn and I, we were out shopping with our grandkids, and we're going along, and we're looking at things, and I put my, had my hands behind my back, and I'm going along, and I look back, and there's Wyatt, our two-year-old Wyatt. What's he doing? He's got his hands behind his back following Papa along, just looking at things, and I just had to chuckle. But you know, to me, that was a beautiful word picture of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We are to imitate him. 
We are to follow him. Just like Wyatt imitated me, we are to follow him as his disciples. But it's very difficult for us to be Christ's followers, to imitate him if we don't know the truths of God's word. We must abide in his word. So, Jesus clearly states, if you abide, continue in my word, you really are my disciples. And the result of abiding in God's word is what? Knowing the truth. And knowing the truth of God's word will result in what? Freedom. True freedom in our lives. And that's a promise that Jesus makes to us. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, that kind of begs the question. Set you free from what? Well, at the top of the list, it will set us free from sin, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute. But God's word can, word can set us free from things like fear and anger, guilt, pride, lack of self-confidence, worry, lack of purpose, direction, all kinds of issues associated with living in a fallen world. God's word can set us free from so many things. And so friends, every day spent in the word of God is Independence Day for us as Christ followers. If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The only pathway to true freedom in this life is by believing in Jesus and abiding in his word. But in verse 33, as we go on, we discover a major obstacle to finding this freedom. The obstacle to freedom is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Look at verse 33. The unbelieving Jewish leaders said, we are descendants of Abraham, they answered, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Their obstacle to true freedom, the freedom that Jesus offers, was self-sufficiency. The unbelieving Jewish leaders, they are saying, we are Jews, we belong to the chosen race. We are descendants of Abraham. And we have never been in bondage spiritually to anyone. How can you say, Jesus, that you can make us free? You see, they worship their religion and their lineage. Their self-sufficiency was an obstacle to them becoming truly free in Christ. And if we're not careful, self-sufficiency can trip us up and become an obstacle to experiencing true freedom in our lives. Wealth, comfort, education, talent, position, power, even the practice of religion itself are just a few areas that can offer a false sense of freedom. And in effect, say to Jesus, you know, Jesus, thanks for your offer of freedom, but I'm really okay just the way I am. I mean, after all, I live in a nice home, a free country. My needs are provided for, and I even attend church. I have all the freedom 
I need. But then Jesus gets to the heart of the matter in verse 34. And that's where we see our true need for freedom. Now maybe you're thinking, Tom, you know, we live in one of the freest nations on the face of this planet. And we do. And I'm thankful for that. And we might say, you know what? I think I have all the freedoms I need. But then look at verses 34 through 36. Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. The freedom Jesus offers in this passage of scripture is a specific freedom. Jesus is offering the Jewish leaders, as well as us today, freedom from sin. Look at verse 34. Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Sin enslaves us. In our natural state, apart from Christ, we are held in Satan's snare and bound by his will. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 2. We need a freedom fighter. And that freedom fighter is Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly states in Romans 8.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are born slaves to sin. Now, we don't like to think of ourselves as slaves. Slavery is repulsive to us as Americans. But that is what Jesus is saying here, apart from Christ and the freedom that he offers we are slaves to sin. Let me share with you three consequences of our sin. Because of our sin, we are under God's wrath. It says in Ephesians 2, 3, because of our sin, we are deserving of his wrath. I grew up in western New York State. People ask, so where were you born? I said, in, I was born in New York. And they, they always think of New York City. And I have to say, man, it's a lot bigger state than just little New York City down there. But I was born in western New York, south of Buffalo, and then most of my family, they were from the Finger Lakes region of New York State, the beautiful part of the state. And my father, my grandfather on my father's side, he owned the dairy farm. And we, my brother and I, we loved going to the farm every summer. We'd go for a few weeks. And uh, he had this iconic red dairy barn. And on top of the barn, he had um, lightning rods. And those lightning rods, little spikes on top of the barn, those lightning rods protected the barn from lightning strikes. Because if those rods weren't there, what would happen is the um, lightning would strike the barn and often it, the barn would catch fire and it would burn to the ground. Just as my grandfather's dairy barn had the, needed the lightning rods to protect it from a lightning strike, we need Jesus Christ as our spiritual lightning rod to take God's wrath for us and receive his, receive our judgment in, in our place. So because of our sin, we are under God's wrath. 
but we also are in danger of hell. According to Hebrews 9.27, after our physical death comes judgment. And if we die without God's salvation, we will meet the same fate as the man spoken of in Luke 16, where it says that he lifted his eyes in Hades or in hell, being in torment. We learn from God's word that hell is a real place. The Bible says it's a place where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hell is eternal separation from God. Now, some people believe in the annihilation theory. And the annihilation theory is basically this, that when our physical life comes to an end here on earth, that's all there is. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that our souls were created by God to live for an eternity, either in heaven or hell. We need a Savior to rescue us from a fate literally worse than physical death. That Savior is Jesus Christ. And finally, because of our sins, we are spiritually dead. Before salvation, we are dead in our sins. And dead people can't do anything for themselves. We need the life-giving power of Christ, who alone can conquer spiritual death. The Bible states in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. And it's that new life that Christ offers us and makes available. You see, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. Jesus stands ready willing and able to free us from the bondage of our sin. So I want you to remember from God's word, John 8, 30 through 36, the source of true freedom is Jesus. He's the alpha and the omega, the great I am. The pathway to freedom is a believing faith in Jesus and abiding in his word. But be careful not to allow self-sufficiency to become an obstacle to experiencing the true freedom that Jesus offers us. And finally, our fundamental need is freedom from sin, a freedom that only Jesus can offer us. Would you bow your heads? Well, for those of you here this morning who have never invited Christ into your life, would you do that today? In John 8, Jesus is essentially saying to the most religious men around, you can't do it. You can't get to God. You can't get to heaven. Your sin will always bar the way. But praise be to God, Jesus is the way maker. He loves you. He cares deeply about you. He gave his life on the cross for you. Would you acknowledge you are a sinner? in need of a Savior, repent or turn away from your sins and invite Jesus Christ into your life as Lord. The one calling the shots and Savior, the only one who can save you from the bondage of your sin. Remember, if the Son sets you free, you really will be free.
And for those of you who know Christ and have a relationship with him, remember who you serve. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who called everything into existence. According to the book of Revelation, he is the warrior king, the Alpha and the Omega, the great I Am. Worship him, live for him, and continue in his word. If you continue in my word, Jesus says, you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word. It is the only source of truth. Thank you for the true freedom we can experience by abiding in your word. We pray these things in your name, Jesus, the name that is above every other name. Amen.